On this week's full-time roundup, Bundesliga and La Liga get absolutely tighter. England focuses on the FA Cup, and Italy has a new leader atop the table. Plus, AFCON and Asia Cup advance into the knockout stages. Full-time roundup starts right now. Welcome into the latest edition of the full-time roundup. Matt Gesslin here, as always, joined by Daniel Brackett. Daniel was away this weekend, so we are recording a little late today on a Monday. Apologies for that. For those of you that are excited and eager to listen to our, our voices on a Monday morning, you'll have to deal with that a little bit later. But with that being said, Daniel, jumping right in, it was a full slate of games over the weekend. We had everything from FA Cup Bundesliga, La Liga, Syria, uh, the list goes on and on. Not even talking about AFCON and Asia Cup here in the intro. Want to jump right in, though, of course. I, I want to focus on the leagues first. Of course, we do love discussing English football, but with that being more of, an, of a cup competition, I want to put that a little bit later, as there were some great storylines, some great games, as well as uh, some upsets as well. But like I said, focusing on the domestic leagues first, Oh boy, Daniel, here we go again. It seems like in the Bundesliga, everyone just wants to hand the trophy to Bayern Munich. And I know that this is a little disappointing for you, but I kind of gave you the writing on the wall that this was coming. Yeah, especially the, you know, how last week played out with Leverkusen getting a last second win and, and Bayern, you know, looking bad kind of uh switched up this this week which is uh mildly disappointing i've had a lot of you know things happen this in the last three days that have been shocking and this is one of them um so you know uh maybe i mean i saw that they signed borja iglesias the backup striker you know is this guy gonna come in and be a flash in the pan for you know the last part of the season since they're missing Boniface, but I just hope that, you know, they, they don't run out of steam. This was a draw. This wasn't a loss. They're still unbeaten. So, you know, and they still have to play each other. So it's not, you know, panic room sounds coming all, all over the place, but definitely I'm feeling less, less okay about this every single week. Yeah, of course, uh, Daniel's draw there, he's referring to is Bayer Leverkusen trying Muchen Gladbach um, and, and Bayern Munich taking care of business, although not not too comfortably against Augsburg. So again, uh, the table is tight. Um, that matchup, I believe, is February 10th between the two teams. Um, so that is coming up quickly. That If anything were to happen there, of course, in Bayern's favor, they jump ahead of the table, uh, which, as I think everyone understands, has happened for about 12 years in a row now. So it seems almost inevitable. We thought the story, and it still is, it's still ongoing. Buyers still have the lead, so we have to keep that into, into effect. You mentioned it was a draw, so they've yet to lose still as well, um, which also is a little bit concerning to me because you know inevitably a team is not going to go undefeated in the Bundesliga in most leagues. Uh, even if it's a draw, there, there's at least one loss. Even Bayern Munich have lost here this season. So just wonder when those losses come. Do they come in, in bunches? Do they come staggered? Um, it, you know, Can they get the big result against Bayern Munich? On, on the 10th, um, which would extend their lead. So a lot to play for here. I think you mentioned Iglesias coming in. It's a, it's a huge signing because they've looked a little bit out of sorts without Victor Boniface, and, and they're going to be without him for a little bit longer. You mentioned Patrick Schick at one point, a couple episodes ago, coming in and filling that void. He really hasn't done much. Uh, you know, Of course, on the other side of things, though, you're looking at Bayern Munich, who do lose a big, big player in Kingsley Coman to a knee injury. It looks pretty pretty much almost season ending no no confirmation there yet but a big loss for them as well um but to my my opinion daniel you're just looking at a team that's that can manage and and sustain with big losses in bayern munich due to their their depth and their talent uh it's a little concerning for buyer that you know that bony face has not delivered when they you know has has been out and they haven't been able to deliver so i i am concerned for this team i still think it's a tight race to the end but uh, you know, again, you look at the writing is on the wall, like I said, and, and you you hope that this could be a little bit closer. Now, moving to the other end of the table, not the other end, but the other end of this top four battle, should say, uh, we had a game between Stuttgart and Leipzig. Boy, oh boy, 
Marco Rosa has not had a good start to 2024, Daniel, and his team again just set pieces are killing this team. And you saw it again against Stuttgart. Stuttgart winning five to two. There was a moment in the game when 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 Leipzig didn't even realize that the play had restarted on a free kick. And, and there was an open Stuttgart player by himself in the box about seven yards out, and they get the third goal uh, in this one. It's just unacceptable. And you have to wonder at what point, and we've talked about Marco Rosa, and we're not huge fans of him. You just wonder at what point is his seat so hot that Leipzig have to make a change. Yeah. Um, you're going to be a good team and you want to compete and be top three in, in any league. You cannot beat yourself. And I've said this time and time again, and, you know, being beat in open play happens, but it's cutting down on the personal mistakes and set pieces that can really, you know, kill a season, kill your Champions League hopes, you know, kill your challenging push. And the fact that they left Dennis Umdoff, who was already scoring two goals already in the game, wide open on a free kick and just no one picked him up, that's that's unacceptable. And it's hard to blame Marco Rosa for that. I mean, when it comes to free kicks, the keeper is the one supposed to supposed to be kind of like directing everyone how they missed it how the wall missed it how the captains on the team are missing it I, I i'm not really sure but i mean this was this was not a good result this was a garasi list stugard as well and you get five goals scored on you i mean stugard have always almost been flailing the last couple of weeks and for this kind of result to pop up not ideal not ideal and I don't know, Leipzig's defense didn't look great. You know, Leipzig looked pretty good through open play, but it just was the dumb errors. And Roca Rosa, I don't know. I feel like they won't make a switch midseason, but if, you know, these kind of results persist, then you could see his way out maybe. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, it would be tough. But, you know, at some point, like you said, the results are just unacceptable. They're, they're simple tactical errors that you can fix on the training ground, you know, again, just understanding the awareness and, and situation of, of a free kick. And you mentioned Undav just being just wide open on the right-hand side there, totally unacceptable. Of course, like I mentioned, not a great year to start or not a way to, not a great way to start the year. Leipzig were third um, or just behind Stuttgart in third place going into 2024. They now currently sit fifth and, and don't look now, but Eintracht Frankfurt who have been, red hot or only two points behind you in sixth. So, you know, Daniel, they, you know, we mentioned the game against Borussia Dortmund, Borussia Dortmund now three points clear of Leipzig as well. This is a, a hard for me to swallow because I had Leipzig winning the league, of course, at the beginning in our predictions. Boy, was that wrong. Uh, it happens uh, more often than not with me, but that's okay. I'll take the the acceptance on that. But this team is just very surprising. And uh, it's, it's quite honestly shocking to see a team just so – lack you know Chelsea of lack of discipline but this team almost puts that to shame and how far does this team fall I mean look at Freiburg is also only a couple you know five points behind them as well in seventh place and we've we've thought that they were pretty solid the last couple of years too so how far does this RB Leipzig team drop in the standings um well there's also one semi-positive thing to, if you're a Leipzig fan, is all right. Well, Xavi Simmons was suspended for this match, so maybe that would have changed a little bit. So maybe that's like the one saving grace. Uh, if I was a Leipzig fan grasping for some positivity, that would be what I'd be grasping for. But yeah, I mean, this this little top six race is kind of shaping up nicely because we completely counted Frankfurt out at the beginning of the season. Like, didn't even really give them a sniff of anything. And now they've like slowly creeped up the table week by week. And I mean, you got a, a Dortmund, they signed Sahin and Bender, like I mentioned for the technical staff, and they started to put some results together. We were talking about full Krug. He's been bad. He just scored a hat trick and has scored in multiple games the last couple of weeks. So, I mean, I still am with the take that Dortmund will finish third and Leipzig will finish behind them and Stuttgart and Frankfurt can battle it out for the rest. But you did say, you know, with your takes, Hey, it's okay. In gambling, if you hit over 50%, you're a good gambler. 
if you can hit a nice 50% with your takes, I feel like we're at a good spot here. Yeah, I'll take that positivity. Uh, and I don't gamble, as we all know, clearly, as we can see why that happens. Um, just a heads up as well. We are we know that some of you have missed the betting segments. We're still working on how to get those back into the fold, potentially some some new content uh, that is yet to come there. So keep an eye out and an ear out for that. But yeah, Daniel, I agree with you. I think Borussia Dortmund have, have moved up the table. They're only one point behind Stuttgart. Um, I do believe this is a two-horse race, of course, as, as Stuttgart in third place is 10 points behind Bayern Munich. No matter how strong Borussia Dortmund are towards the end here, I don't think they're catching up nine points. Uh, actually, 13 points to the top. I was you know, looking at them from a Bayern Munich perspective. So uh, two-horse race here. It'll be interesting to see kind of where the teams fall within the top five. You mentioned, you know, uh, Frankfurt potentially coming in and grabbing one of those spots. So we'll keep an eye out there. And, and Daniel, another league that is now officially a two-horse race is, is La Liga. It's been a two-horse race for a little while. But with with Barcelona's results this weekend and and other points you know happening throughout the league, it's officially Girona via Real Madrid. And Daniel, this one, Girona just continue. Real Madrid goes first. Girona catches up. Girona goes first. Real Madrid catches up. What? How? how is this going to happen? Is this really going to happen for Girona, who currently just for for what it's worth, January 29th, 22 games into the league. Of course, Real Madrid have a game in hand right now. Girona sit atop the table in La Liga at 55 points. 55 points at 22 game mark. I mean, this is, I feel like this could happen. I may have just jinxed them, of course, but I feel like we could be looking at a new Leicester City here. We're, we're on audio, but I just shook my head because I was really hoping you weren't going to say that. Um, I mean, look, there. Someone tweeted out, I don't know if we discussed it on the show, but if if Girona do this, is this a bigger upset than Leicester City in 2015? Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. You think, you think it's more? Absolutely. Absolutely. Daniel, this okay. this the city of Girona would fit inside the Bernabeo. Like this, it doesn't even, that's the city, not even just the, the team or the stadiums. So, and to see where Girona have come from, I mean, Leicester City was a great story. Don't get me wrong. I think they were 5,500 to one or something, or maybe worse that they're, they're going into one. something like that. And so I don't, I don't know. I don't have the stat in front of me of what Girona was preseason going into it. But, you know, this story, the way just the the size and the scale of the story the way that this team has gone from as you've alluded to and you've talked about a few times on the show you know from third division up you know it, it's a it, yes to me short answer is this is a bigger story than Leicester City it i just searched it up and i don't know but dk or draftkings says their odds to win was uh 55 to 1 as well so almost exactly the same as Leicester's which is wild the only reason I, I asked that is because since they're part of the city footballing group and have like, you know, all those resources available to them, it, I mean, it, it all clicked in just such an amazing way that it's hard to, you know, argue that. But I mean, if you look at, if you look at Lesser's back line, you got Robert Huth and, and like they're playing a four, four, two and Jamie Vardy, no one knew who he was. And he was like, people came cigarettes and training, you know, it, saying chat shit get banged on press conferences like i mean this was i don't know i feel like it either either answer is an acceptable answer but i that has been living rent free in my head as of late now do i think they're gonna do it no i don't i mean i think real madrid are thanos they're inevitable you know they they don't they play like shit every week and they still win these games again they came back from a losing position this week, I, I just like when you just do that time and time again, it just feels like at some point they're just going to pull away. But I'm going to enjoy and soak in this Girona, I don't know, title race as much as possible for the next couple of weeks. I, I agree with you. I, I mean, how can you say, how can you go against Real Madrid? You know, I think the, the only thing that would make me change my mind is if, if, uh, the two play each other, which is coming up in February, and and Girona just drub Real Madrid, similar to what happened when Leicester City beat Manchester City that season. 
Uh, it was a little later in the season, though, of course, than this would be as, as there would still be time for Real Madrid to catch up and, uh, and and surpass them. But that would be the only thing that would really truly change my mind is if if Girona go in and just drub Real Madrid in that in that next fixture that they have coming up. I, I agree with you. Of course, Real Madrid looked pretty toothless for a while against Los Palmas this weekend and then and then do pull it out late um Vinny getting a goal there and then uh Chumani coming in off the bench uh, Carlo just know what to do and, and bringing in the subs and, and within I think it was Chumani's first touch of the game gets the game winner so you know just you have to look at it for what it's worth the talent is certainly on in favor of Real Madrid's side but uh, it's a great story one that again I think the soccer world Maybe the sports world is hoping continues. I don't know if it's had as much steam as the Leicester one has had quite yet across all across all the sports world. But if it continues that way, Daniel, it will have ramifications and reverberations across all of sport. Another thing that did have you know ramifications across all of sport, though, is we're talking about Barcelona, of course. Xavi Hernandez, after a abysmal loss this weekend, uh, does announce that he will step down from the job in Barcelona at the end of the season. Um, a lot of a lot of thoughts here from my perspective. Would love to hear your thought. I'm not sure how. I know you were traveling yesterday. Not sure if you were able to kind of see the news or, or kind of, you know, catch up with what's going on there. But what is the point of keeping the job until June? You know, this team clearly does not want to play for him as they've seen so far. They can talk about it all they want in their post-game press conferences. Oh, we should have played better. We should have gotten results. Well, if you didn't get results, or excuse me, if you did get results, he wouldn't be fighting for his job. And so what changes that perspective now that he's announced that he's not coming back? And, and why not make this change? Give Raka, Rafa Marquez an opportunity from the B squad, who's arguably you know one of those managers that they are very high on, at least you give him an opportunity for the last four or five months, see if the team can improve. If you don't have that improvement, then you know he's not the future and you know you have to look for a new manager. The worst case, in my opinion, is they they then eventually give him the job in June and he's just as bad as Xavi is and you have to start this process all over again. I I have a lot of baggage with interim and interim tag managers as you well know, with my own teams here at, at Charlotte FC and, and the Panthers. So just the thought of an interim just makes my makes me shudder. But you make a good point here. And um, I didn't have service when I was in Tampa for majority of Saturday. And I, this was the first game I looked at. And I was able to catch up on what happened in it later on. But I, I did not expect a 5-3 thriller like that and i don't know i mean from what i from what i was seeing it just it just seemed like you know when you start 17 year olds they're going to do 17 year old things at times and there's nothing really you can do about it i mean the squad is completely decimated you don't have your goalkeeper either so i kind of feel for shavi but at the same time we you know you got to maintain that standard of no matter what the squad looks like you got to maintain these results and he's not so I, I think Rafa Marquez is a fantastic shout as an interim manager just to see if he can reinvigorate the squad. You know, once a manager, the new manager balance does work, at least in the short term, if not the long term. So I'm kind of with it. But also at the same time, you know, Xavi's a, a club legend. He won the league last year. He deserves a little bit respect when it comes to how he wants to go out. So, I mean, I feel like if things – continue to get worse in the next couple of weeks, Matt, we could be seeing that Rafa Marquez thing. And he actually, you know, doesn't do the retirement goodbye tour. He just leaves. Um, but it's a sad state for, for Barcelona and, and Xavi Hernandez. Yeah. You mentioned obviously a club legend and it's um, something I want to talk about at some point here in the future, maybe on a Thursday show is just all of these young managers, the club legends or, you know, inexperienced managers getting these high profile jobs coming out just because of the fact that they are those club managers. Of course, 
Xavi Hernandez had some experience play, managing in, in Saudi Arabia. How much that prepared him, I don't really know. Honestly, going into a, jo a job of this scale, of course, we're also looking now at, at you know Xavi Alonso, similar type of situation. You know, not much of experience goes obviously Bayer Leverkusen is a big club, not the biggest club in Germany, and they're doing well. And all the rumors swirling about him at Liverpool, and uh, you know we've seen this before with Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard. Wayne Rooney, et cetera. So it, it is an interesting, you know, discussion. I would love to have another time. Um, you know, you mentioned the, 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 the legend, right? And I think that sometimes clouds a lot of these man, these, these owners and, and clubs as far as what's a good quality manager versus we have to give a legend an opportunity. So uh, I do want to continue the conversation there um, at some point, but yeah, it's, it's a strange time in Barcelona. Um, you know, and obviously I don't know who's next. If it's not Rafa Marquez, I don't have a name off the top of my head unless you do. I was thinking about this earlier. Um, Mikel Arteta would make a lot of sense. Um, a real weird one is a, is Fabregas. He's coaching Como right now in Italy. He doesn't even have his and licenses, though. That's the I thing. Think, yeah, he I think he's getting them as we speak, so he'll have them. Now, you, you did mention he had Xavi had very little experience, and it's started to, to show this year with his tactical knowledge. But also, I do want to give him his flowers. I mean, he, he took over Barca in the worst state it's been in, in decades. No doubt. Multiple, no multiple doubt. decades. Horrible finances. He, within one season, wins the league, fixes a lot of the issues they have, promotes all these La Masia kids, and obvious, and they're in third place right now. Like they're not, they're not in seventh or ninth like they were before he came. So he left them in a better place. Now the question is, is this the standard for Barcelona? And that is no. But he did, he can walk away knowing that he left it better than he started. And that is the one thing I'll say on Xavi. Absolutely. You, you make a great point. Um, and I, I think it goes, uh, well, if you don't know all the situation over there in Barcelona with, with the levers and the financial situation, do yourself a favor, go do a read, go find out what's going on there. It's quite remarkable. The fall from grace that this club has had, uh, you know, in a short period of time, we're talking about one of the, arguably one of the greatest sides in, in world football history. Um, and now they are kind of, you know, in, in limbo, um, honestly. And to make matters worse, Daniel, uh, don't look now. Athletic Club is only two points behind them in the table for fifth place or fourth place. Barcelona would flop to fifth place. You know, this is a real, you mentioned the finances. This would be a real, real bad situation for them if they do not get Champions League football. They're eliminated from most of the competitions now. Of course, they do have uh, Champions League still remaining against Napoli coming up. They need to go at least to the quarterfinals in this competition this year just to kind of balance the books. La Liga feels like it's out of the question. Um, so no, no, you know, additional bonus for winning La Liga this year. Um, it's, it's, it's dire. I mean, Atletico Madrid get a win this weekend as well, move up to third place. Um, and again, you know, they continue to chug along. They've they had some ups and downs, but Diego Simeone has found a way to keep the squad a little bit, you know, stabilized. He's, he's, it was, it was rough to begin with. Uh, there was a little bit of a moment, you know, they, they had some success in Copa del Rey. Uh, you know, they, they knocked out Real Madrid, but now, you know, they're in third place, like I said. And so you're, you're really looking at a situation where even Real Sociedad could potentially catch uh, Barcelona, given the way that they're playing right now, especially when Kubo comes back. That's a great point, but I did want to touch on Athletic Atletico Madrid here. Um, what a big win. Big Valencia win. has been Valencia have been really good this year. And we see, you know, Atletico Madrid beat on bad teams, but they sometimes have struggled this year against good teams. You know, losing to Girona, they they've lost a, a bunch of their club rivals. They get killed by Athletic or Real Madrid not too long ago. So this was a good get right game. And it wasn't just a one Oh, it was a two nil. So this could be, you make a good point. I could, if they don't, you know, if Xavi can't improve, you will see Atletico, Atletico Madrid go in that third and Real Sociedad and Athletic Club push for that fourth. Now I hope that doesn't happen just because, you know, I want Barcelona to, you know, I like them perennially being a decent team. Um, but you know, it'll be a really interesting shakeout in the season because 
as teams falter, players get back healthy, like you mentioned. Uh, you know, Bundesliga and La Liga races is, is wild. Yeah, they are wild, and and of course we're talking about here the last domestic we want to cover the last domestic league. Easy for me to say this morning that we want to cover uh, and talk about teams that are dropping points. Daniel, of course, we are talking about Syria, uh, Juventus, who. They had an opportunity, you know, they, they were a game in hand at that point, and they go to Empoli, who even it was at home um, against Empoli, who are not a strong side, and they drop points getting a draw here. And then, of course, Juventus squeeze out a win on Sunday, and they jump ahead of them in the table with that game in hand. You just feel for Allegri and, and Juventus because they had a chance to really make this kind of close. It's still very close, of course, one point right now, but that game in hand almost makes it a little bit you know, skewed as far as where it stands. What are your thoughts here as this race continues to tighten up? And we've, we've touched on AC Milan, who now are only eight points behind as well, though they get a, a, a draw and drop points, speaking of dropping points against Bologna. So really a perfect weekend for Inter here coming off of a trophy as well. We touched on it in, on Thursday's show. Was this a bounce back week or was this a week that they could have stumbled? And honestly, it was the opposite. They, they take a step forward and the other competitors take two steps back. And that's thanks to Milik for his 17th minute red card as a striker. That's... That's unacceptable. I mean, he just flies into a challenge for no reason. It was one of the dumbest, you know, lost – he completely lost his head, which is a shame. And, I mean, even with this, Juventus almost still won the match. Um, Dusan Bovic scores again in this match. But I'm sure, you know, Milik was sick to his stomach after after that game just because of, you know, they, they had it. And Impley is not a good team, so this should have been a three points here. Um, on the flip second side, second to bottom, by the way, just wanted to point that out. Second to bottom, very bad, very bad. And then on the flip side, like you said, Inter huge match against Fiorentina, who's a good opponent. They are able to scrape by another scrappy win. These are kind of the wins that you need to do to win a cup. But I'm going to refute you here. I don't think Milan, on paper, it's not points dropped, it's a fair result. But if you watch the game, how do you miss two penalties? Not only does your French compatriot Giroud miss, but then Teo goes and he hits the post. Unbelievable. Let's just say that they are both not taking a penalty for France anytime soon. So it's okay. We have Griezmann up front or Mbappe and everybody Mbappe, else yeah. that can take it, you know, so it's okay. But yeah, it's, it's one of those that you would not have expected at least Olivier to miss. Um, and, and, you mentioned it was a decent draw. I don't know if I would def define that as a decent draw. It's a draw. It's not a loss. Um, Bologna currently sit in seventh place. We talked about them a little while ago, how they were in fourth place, kind of that that surprise team this year. They've dropped now, like I said, to seventh, although we've touched, we've touched on this race being very, very tight between fourth and, and almost ninth. Uh, that is now a four-point gap between Atalanta and Napoli in ninth. You can almost add Torino. You can almost add all the way down to to – Monza in in twelfth to considered you know in that title or in that position for for fourth place I think there's a little bit of a gap there eight points is a little too far for Genoa and Monza but five points for for Monza down to twelfth between fourth and twelfth so uh, it's a good race it's a good battle for that fourth spot Bologna's a decent side but you would still expect AC Milan to to capitalize here close the gap between you know themselves and Juventus of course they do have a pretty wide gap here between third place and and fourth they're 10 points clear about Atalanta so they're kind of in that little limbo place of what do we do do we really go for it we know we're probably not going to lose Champions League spot but we can you know take some chances going forward so it'll be interesting to see if AC Milan can get themselves back into the title race uh, or if they're just going to kind of be stuck in neutral for the rest of the year. Now, Daniel, one thing that we've been hearing about and before we transition back over to England uh, for the cup, it's always for the cup. And boy, there were some great storylines that we want to get into over there as well. One storyline coming out of Italy that continues to raise its head that I just wanted to get your thoughts on because I know you're very high on this player is, is the rumors and rumblings of Osaman and, and where he's going next. Uh, we don't normally do this, but this is such a storyline. He, he's one of the biggest free agents of the summer, probably. He did sign a new contract with Napoli for a release clause of over 130 million euros. 
And yet there's still all these rumors that he's already decided he's going somewhere else. He knows where he's going. It's down to PSG, Real Madrid, and a Premier League side yet to be named. What is your take on all this? And also, why would you sign a new contract? I know that you know there's been a lot of issues with Napoli and, and Osimhen, especially in the last eight months. You know, with with his own players, the manager, uh, the fans. You know, give us a little breakdown here. And where do you think uh, he ends up ultimately? Well, I would have added. Barcelona to that list, but they're too broke. Um, I think what Osman did was do an absolute G move and said, look, I'm going to leave, but I can either leave for free or you can make some money off of me, but you got to be, you know, I'm sure they have a gentleman's agreement when it comes to agreeing the transfer fee in the club and stuff. He probably has autonomy over where he gets to choose, but I think he, I think he still does love Napoli. And I think he, wanted to put them in a good position as well to, you know, be okay financially. And I'm sure, you know, that first step, as soon as Osman's gone, I'm sure Kavet Shili is going to be gone. So Napoli are going to look completely different next year. Um, now where Osman's going to go. Um, I don't, I mean, it really depends on the Mbappe saga because if Mbappe goes to Real Madrid, you can completely forget about it and Osman's off to the Premier League for playing more, more than likely for Manchester United or Chelsea are the two teams that make the most sense straight off the bat. Now you could also, you know, throw Spurs in the mix there if they if Daniel Levy actually wants to spend that much money. You know, that's his Harry Kane replacement, um, but. It really only sees – I only really see Manchester United or, or Chelsea here, and it'd be a damn shame if he went to Chelsea just because he'll be immediately shit and get sold off for half his value in six months. But, you know, the same could happen at Manchester United. <laughs> yeah, both both Premier League sides are not – that you mentioned there are not in the greatest form. I would say keep an eye out for Arsenal too, who would really use a Arsenal. number nine. Um, that could be a, a fit there. That would make sense. Although if Mikel Arteta potentially jump ship, that project could be completely flipped on its head. Um, I do think, like you mentioned, and, and really just to, to close out on this point, we, we will keep an eye on this one. Like I said, we generally don't do too much transfer rumors at the beginning or solo, but this one just has such such legs to it and, and such you know unique storyline behind it. It does all depend on where Kylian Mbappe does go, right? I mean if he goes to Real Madrid, it you know he could end up in, in PSG. Um but if he ends up if Kylian stays, uh I think Real Madrid is probably you know a, a, a sure sure bet that they would go after a player of this of this quality. So uh you know again just wanted to throw that out there. We'll definitely keep an eye out for it. We'll keep you posted as we'll probably do some more transfer rumors and transfer news here, especially with the window closing on Thursday. Um, and then, of course, as things really gear up towards the summertime, we'll have everything updated on that. But, Daniel, you wanted to you focus on – Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Do you mind if I jump in just real quick? Um, I, I forgot to touch on this with Milan. You said they are in limbo. They With this 10-point gap, they could put all their eggs in the Europa League basket and really go for that silverware. That would be an interesting development considering Bayer Leverkusen and Liverpool are still in the competition as well. So we'll see kind of how that goes. But you could see them kind of put the Serie A on back burner and really go for that Europa League since they did get knocked out of the Champions League. But sorry to, sorry to interrupt you on that. We are going to talk a little FA Cup here. Um, some fantastic, great games, some good storylines, you know, eight prim sides advance, which is kind of expected here. But the first one I wanted to talk about was Maidstone because it's the biggest storyline for the, cup. Story for the cup. Of all of them for the cup. And they defeat Ipswich, who is top three in the championship right now. Um, they just tied Leicester City, who's the best championship side currently right now. And it was the absolute definition of smash and grab here. Great scenes after. I think they're in the sixth tier of English football. Gotta love it. If anyone knows me or listens to the show long enough knows that there is one particular thing that drives me bonkers. And that is this stat called XG. Now, let me tell you about XG, okay? XG is expected goals from a game. 
This is the most useless, meaningless stat ever created. Ipswich XG, if you will, was almost four. They lost. They had one goal. Okay. They had 38 shots on goal. They lost because that is what happens when you play the games. Throw the bullshit stats out the window when it comes to XG, possession, passing. Like you said, smash and grab. Maidstone absolutely has two clinical counterattacks on their two shots on goal. They score and they advance. And Daniel, like you said, this is why we watch the FA Cup. This is why we watch cups in general. We saw it with Skarbrucken, Breton, Bayern Munich earlier this season in Germany as well. These these sides, th these are the moments that these players and these fans live for, and they deserve it. I mean, the fans that were at Ipswich for Maidstone were absolutely loving it. You know, they were just in, enthralled in the game. They didn't care if they won. They didn't care if they lost. They were in the cup. And, of course, to win it in advance, and now they get to go to the fifth round is absolutely remarkable. You know, you mentioned Ipswich is no slouch. They're, they're on fire right now, second place for a promotion spot. Uh, automatic promotion spot to the Premier League. So you can kind of almost look at this as a bottom side Premier League side versus a sixth division squad in England. And, and honestly, Dan Garber, if you're listening, this is why you keep the Open Cup open to all teams in the United States. Okay, this is the beauty of the Cup, and this is why we need these types of tournaments and these competitions because – you can take away all the eight Premier League sides that we'll touch on. We can touch on them briefly, real quick, ramble through them. You know, Liverpool advance, Luton beat Everton, Eddie Howe beats Fulham, Brighton beat Sheffield, Manchester United almost have a moment here as well against Newport County, but they advance. Wolves beat West Brom, Dramarian, although that was a scary scene as those are two rivals that the, the game was stopped. But Daniel, yeah, as you said, Maidstone was the highlight of the weekend for me in the FA Cup. I don't even know if we need to talk about anything else in this term. I just want to do a golf clap. Anthony, first goal and assist of the season. Only took till late January. Congratulations. 007, no more. $75 million, and you finally scored. It had to be against Newport. So congratulations to you, Anthony. I know you needed that. Um Sorry to interrupt there, um, but what is your kind of vibe on, on this Chelsea Villa second draw? Yeah, okay, so we do have to talk about some other games, I guess, besides made stuff, which is fine. Uh, the, you know, Chelsea Villa do draw scoreless 0 0, so they will have a replay just to wrap up the other games. I have a replay too. Leeds, Plymouth will be a replay. Uh, Leicester, uh, excuse me, Leicester beat uh, Birmingham. There is one more replay game as well. I can't remember exactly what that game is. If you could look Great that job. up. Yeah, that'd be great. But yeah, um, uh, you know, Chelsea had the chances. They didn't play great. I think Villa looked sluggish in the first half and, and really gave, you know, Cole Palmer a couple of sitters. He had similar type of situations against Middlesbrough in the first leg um, that really could have changed the game. And, and they don't get those, those um, moments. Villa looked better in, in the second half, especially the last 20 minutes. I would say they dominated the game. Long week for Chelsea, of course, um, you know, playing playing midweek. They also have a big game on Wednesday, Daniel. So it's it's no, you know, there's no um, time to breathe for a Chelsea fan. Uh, we play your Liverpool on Wednesday in the, in the league. Uh, so big game there. If we go back, you know, we're going to go to Villa Park, which has been a fortress there. Um, whew. I'm not too confident, but I do like how we played. I do like that we played as a top four side and and held them to a draw. You could see a little bit more of that progression that um, is under underway with Pochettino, but that that was a real opportunity there to um, to really kind of advance and and take advantage of it. And and now I think it's a little bit more difficult. Now on on the so just to mention real quick. Um, Bristol City and Forest have a replay and Sheffield Wednesday and Coventry also have a replay. Now, you said you were not that confident about Villa. How are we feeling about, you know, a little clash of the Titans here, me and you? Oh, boy. Uh, just to get right mano to it. Mano y mano. Mano y mano, because we won't have a chance to talk about this on the preview show on Thursday, of course. Um, I, I I think a classic – Classic Chelsea Liverpool 0 0 is in the cards. Um, just the way that Poach is going to set this up. I think, like I said, um, you know, they, they are looking better. It's a it's a nice performance against the top four side against Villa. 
to continue that momentum after advancing to the to the final of the Carabao Cup last week as well. I think if we get a point, um, I think that's a good result for us. I think that hurts you guys, of course, with City right behind you. Um, I don't foresee us getting a, a, a win here, but I'll take a 1-1 or 0-0. All I'm looking for, Daniel, and you're going to laugh at this because it's it's just kind of counter to what we're talking about yeah, a little bit. I want to see progression in the way the team is playing. And, and I've talked about this before with you, that this is a project through and through. And I just want to see some style that Poach wants to play and these kids starting to learn the system and playing a little better week in, week out. And I think we're starting to see that a little bit more uh, with this Chelsea side. So I'll take a draw, to be honest. Yeah, it's a, it's at Anfield. Must win for me. Must win. I'm sick of, you know, how we play Chelsea. I feel like it's always just an ugly game. We always, I feel like we usually, not always, we usually outplay you guys, but there's we sometimes draw. I'm kind of annoyed, you know. I'd love to just absolutely drub you before the final in a month just to give you an, a nice sneak peek of what's to come at Wembley. So greedy. So greedy. What do you wish but, for? You know, we'll see, and, you know, You'll be able to tell if I'm upset on Thursday's show based off how this result goes on Wednesday. But Absolutely. but to move on, uh, it's been fun. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll take a quick break. On the other side of the break, we'll discuss AFCON and Asian Cup. Um, in the meanwhile, please follow our Twitter at Full Time Roundup. I did drop a reaction video um, to Jurgen Klopp leaving Liverpool. I hope he has the retirement tour that he deserves. Um, so if you want to hear my my thoughts on that, please go watch that video. Give us if you want to hear Daniel's here. eulogy on Jurgen Klopp, who's officially dead, uh, feel free to go listen to that over on, on X. He's not dead. He's not dead. After 2024 season, it feels like he'll be dead, but he, he's not. And, you know, give us a five-star, download, subscribe. Follow Twitter at Full Time Roundup. Follow Matt at Life of Gaslin. Follow me at Liverpool CLTFC. And we will see you on the other side of the break. And welcome back. As Daniel mentioned, uh, we are going to jump into AFCON and Asia Cup here for a quick little recap. They are now currently into the knockout phases of both of those tournaments. Some big upsets continue to happen in this tournament um in both tournaments actually uh one thing we do want to call out this week we will not have an xi of the week um daniel traveling and everything and, and we have a it's monday we're late already and so we wanted to jump right in and get everything covered here of course we will have that next week for you guys we will also have a thursday show as we usually do predicting the week ahead um, for those fixtures and of course as, as daniel and i just covered in the previous segment uh we'll probably recap chelsea liverpool slightly i'm sure there'll be some discussion of that game uh on thursday but like i said going into afcon now uh we are now into the knockout stages we have had quite a few surprises daniel um we had the battle of the guineas um, which we talked about the other day and Equatorial Guinea, which was the favorite uh, just based off of results in the group, um, does get bounced by their rival, Guinea. Um, Guinea advances um, that will now face, I believe they face Angola in the next round, uh, who do advance as well. Um, and then you have Nigeria, which uh, we touched on is probably second favorite now at this point going into the rest of the tournament. Um, they looked great in this one. Uh, Lookman, who plays for Fulham, absolutely shined. He had to brace here. Oh, he was at Fulham, excuse me. Uh, he's at Everton as well. I think he's more at Everton, but he's at Atalanta now. Atalanta, okay, fair enough. Well, like I said, I just, you know how I like Atalanta and they score goals. He scored two goals here. And then Onana, the big story here for me, Daniel, is Onana gets benched for Cameroon in this one, continues to have again. You know, his struggles again. And, and, and Nigeria now, like I said, second favorite. We will see what happens. I believe they play today. Um, is Af uh, Ivory so, Coast for Senegal? Yep, and um, Kate Verde Maritania. I think I pronounced that right. Played today. Yeah. So basically, Nigeria and Angola. You were correct. They face off on one side of the bracket, and then Kate Verde Maritania versus Morocco and South Africa, which will be played tomorrow. And the winners of those will will meet um, on that side. 
And then on the other side, we have Guinea versus um, the Congo because they beat um, Egypt in penalties. So I'll take that. A crazy a penalty law. kick, by the way. That was crazy. That yeah, one. that was that was a great game. Feel bad for Egypt, obviously, um, a little bit. But and then you know on the other side, it's Senegal versus Ivory Coast, like you mentioned, and Mali versus Burkina Faso. So it's shaping up, and it can, the chaos continues. I mean, the fact that Ivory Coast Gaffer was fired, and then they were staying in the tournament. There's nothing like Afcon. They they went and they tried to get the they tried to get on loan for the rest of the tournament. The French women's national coach, who was their coach in 2015 when they won the tournament, French Federation said no. Um, so, like you said, the chaos that is part of Afcon just continues all the way through. And who knows? Uh, maybe Mali wins this tournament in the end of the day. It's it's highly possible at this point. Anything goes. But uh, some great matchups still to come. And and Daniel just outlined the and laid out the the bracket for you now. I do have one quick question for you before we get into Asia Cup. You mentioned Egypt being knocked out. Of course, we have to discuss the elephant in the room here a little bit with Mo Salah. Them being knocked out, of course, there was discussion of maybe if they advance far enough, he would still be able to return back to the team. Obviously, let's just take that off the table as that's no longer an impact. Is, is that a good thing for you guys as Liverpool? Would you have liked to have seen him kind of get a few games back under his belt to get healthy, especially off an injury like that? Or... Are you just ready to, for him to come back into the fold and get right into the mix? And was this kind of the plan the whole time from behind the scenes? I mean, you can't plan for an injury, so I wouldn't say there was there was no plan. I I feel like they did the right thing when he got injured. He watched the last game and then came back to Liverpool to rehab. There's probably you know the best technology and treatment. And he's used to the Liverpool doctors, so him going to Liverpool and then with a plan to go back if they make it feels like a logical decision for me, so I don't really understand why he got stick for that. Um, apparently, the world on the street is they're trying to prepare him to play for against Arsenal. So they're trying to ramp him up. Obviously, um, him losing and getting knocked out is a good thing motivation-wise. You could see a, a very invigorated Mo Salah coming back. Um, but I mean, really, I, I, I don't see too many storylines other than I'm just happy to have them back here. You know, we still have some players in dough that with Japan currently. So we're getting to full strength as, you know, Mo Salah comes back. A ton of guys are coming back from injuries as well. So it's, it's a good time to be a Liverpool fan right now. Yeah, and of course, you mentioned Endo as well for Japan. And, and of course, Daniel's going to run us through the Asia Cup here in a second. Um, quickly, though, Daniel, just want to get your thoughts on a favorite in AFCON at this point, now that we've had one round of knockouts. Is it, well, obviously, there's still a round to go, as we mentioned, uh, or, or games within the first round. But anything that you know jumps off the page as a standout for you, or is it still Senegal's tournament to win? Uh, so I think... Nigeria will face Morocco in the semis to make the final. And I think Morocco will progress. Um, and I think if Senegal can take care of business against Ivory Coast later today, then they can easily beat Burkina Faso or Mali or in Guinea and Congo to get to the final. This is Senegal's final to lose at this point, but I'm predicting a Senegal-Morocco final, and that could go either way at the same time morocco is is a great team i think we did have that pre-tournament as well or at least more recently i'm going to change mine i'm going to go nigeria senegal in the final i've liked what i've seen from nigeria they're very talented and putting it together of course morocco also very talented it will probably come down to that semifinal for the final in my opinion as well but i'll take nigeria senegal and and i'm gonna i'm gonna throw a curveball i think nigeria get it done uh, in, in the final and, and beat Senegal. But like I said, to wrap us off for the show here, Daniel, um, I know you want to touch on Asia Cup and, and run us through those comp that competition briefly. So uh, feel free to take it away and uh, and wrap us up. Yeah, completely sorry, guys. I With my football app on Thursday, it was excellently close, so I didn't even notice the knockout stages had started. But going to just run you through. So we had um, so some games, Tajikistan versus UAE. Um, has already played. Tajikistan edges them in penalties earlier, probably 30 minutes ago. We had a crazy game against from Jordan to Iraq. Jordan goes up one goal. Iraq scores two. 
and then there's a 95th and a 97th minute winner to beat Iraq. So Jordan will face off against Tajikistan. I think Jordan will progress there. Um, Australia crushes Indonesia, and Saudi Arabia will play Korea, which is a very interesting match considering, you know, is Mancini going to scheme something up? South Korea haven't been great. Jurgen Klinsmann's probably, you know, <laughs> he probably will get fired if they lose this match. So they will face off against Australia, who's actually been a sneaky good team, and no one's really talked about at all. And then on the other side, Iran versus Syria and Bah. Let's see, is that Bahrain versus Japan? So Iran versus Japan is a very, very interesting matchup here on one side, and then Qatar versus Palestine, which is played in thirty minutes, and then Uzbekistan versus Thailand. I think Qatar could be playing either Japan or Iran to make it to the final. But do you have any predictions here? Qatar have actually been pretty good on this tournament after a really bad World Cup. They have. And I I, I do think that there were some interesting moments in the group stages where Japan and Korea could have faced each other before the final. Had that happened, I think this tournament would have been wide open. Um, you do mention the Socceroos are looking very strong, Australia, of course. But I do think this still comes down to South Korea versus Japan in the final for me. Um, just the two most talented sides. Although Saudi Arabia, of course, they beat Argentina in the World Cup, so keep an eye out for them. Um, but yeah, give me give me Japan, give me South Korea, give me Yoon Min Sun, uh, and I'll take South Korea to lift the trophy at the end of the tournament. Okay, real quick. Instant rapid reaction since we do have Premier League tomorrow. Aston Villa at home against Newcastle. Go. Aston Villa, Newcastle. Aston Villa. Okay, I'm going to go Aston Villa as well, but it'll be a tight game, I think. And then we already did our Chelsea prediction. Uh, Barcelona and Barcelona plays Osasuna um, on Wednesday at 1 o'clock. Do you think Barcelona bounces back here? Yes. 2-0. You do? 2-0 again? Not very good. Not very good. Okay. And that's it, folks. That is it. Just wanted to get those before the the Thursday show on the docket. Thank you for listening. I'm sorry it was late. My travel plans uh, from Tampa yesterday were horrific. Um, But for those wondering, I did have a fantastic time. And the weather was 85 the entire time. I didn't get get sunburned. That's neither here nor there. Thank you again for listening to the full-time roundup. And we will talk to you on Thursday.